guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. My two-and-a-half-year-old, almost three-year-old, has always been kind of a difficult sleeper. Not necessarily like sleeping through the night difficult, but more like getting to bed, taking naps, sleeping alone. So I'm finally talking to someone about it. And actually, I'm making this more of a general episode for anyone who's struggling with toddler sleep. We hear about baby sleep and newborn sleep all the time. As parents, we already are prepared for little sleep, but nobody really talks about how sleep is affected in toddlerhood. So I'm talking to Sarah Patel. She's a baby and toddler sleep consultant, but she teaches sleep tricks without the crying out method. She has a very holistic approach and I love everything she stands for. She's exactly what I need for my family and I really hope this episode helps you too if you're someone looking for a no cry it out, no fuss type sleep guide. Let's jump into this episode and talk about sleep. Hi Sarah, I'm so glad you're here today because I'm tired. I'm like literally didn't sleep at all last night. I think my two-year-old was like, mom's going to talk to a lady about my sleep tomorrow. So I'm not going to let her sleep. So, um, right. I'm here for it. (laughs) Right. She's, she gave us some context, you know? So before we dive in deep into toddler sleep, I really want to talk about toddler sleep today because I feel like I never hear about toddler sleep. I hear about baby sleep and like, you know, what to do with your infants and blah, blah, blah. But like, I want to know what to do with my toddlers. So before you know we what, di- when I uh, work with families, it's actually 50-50 in terms of babies, right? But then a lot of parents coming uh, toddler age, which most parents don't expect, right? You kind of think, yeah. you know, they've got three sleeping now, we're in this, this is fine. And then it's like toddlerhood hits and it's like, uh-oh. So, okay, well, I'm glad to hear that it's more common because I just felt like, it, by now we should just have this figured out. But anyways, we'll we'll dive into that. Before we dive in, I want to hear a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name's Sarah. Um, I set up Teach to Sleep. It's my third and final baby. I've got two little ones already. Uh, they're 18 months apart and they are kind of five and six now. Um, and I found sleep incredibly difficult when they were younger. And it's something that ruled my life. I'm somebody who needs a huge amount of sleep. And, you know, I think like a lot of people, parenthood is hard and it's especially hard when sleep is really broken, right? Mm. Um and I sleep trained my first baby. So we did cry out and hated it. But it's at the time, it felt like it was the only way to do it. You Google that. That's all the kind of information that came back. Um, and then I actually retrained. So I was a primary school teacher and I retrained to be a sleep consultant. And I retrained with Lindsay Hookwain. And she's all about kind of the gentle methods. Um, I actually completely ended up changing my life. Not only did I have um, my second baby, who was my guinea pig, who I could try it all out on, um, I changed my career and I've never really looked back. I love that. I love that you took something that was like super hard and sucky for you and you did it the opposite. And now you've made something of it to help other families do the same. God, I don't even know where to start. I have a, so I have a five-year-old 
who's going to be six. And then I have a two-year-old who'll be three in like a month. So my five-year-old, we sleep trained kind of like we did. Have you heard of taking care of babies? taking Is care of babies she's oh, yes yes yeah she's well yeah. known for her like sleep training so we did the no cry it out newborn method with my first kid we we like let him fuss a little bit here and there but it was never like cried out and I felt like it was I felt like all I was doing was just focusing on his sleep all the time and it was driving me insane and I was obsessed and just anxious and like if he missed a nap it was like kind of that common like first first time mom like you're obsessed with everything being like in order my second kid came around and I was like I don't care I'm not doing anything she'll figure it out so like it was literally like one extreme to the other <laughs> and we tried to be strict with her sleep to a degree. We tried to do like what we did with him, but I was way more lenient. I let her come lay in bed with me. We uh, bed shared quite a bit with her and I'm okay with that part. But now we're at the point where both my kids are waking up in around 10, 11, come into our bed. And like for a long time, we were okay with it. But now I'm just like, I want my space. You know, yeah. and I know it's going to take a lot of work from my husband and I, and I know that's part of it, but so we're there. But before we dive into all that, there's a few topics I want to touch on. I want to talk about toddler naps because people are always like, when are you, when should I drop a toddler nap? When should we dropping be dropping naps? And then I want to talk about kids having a hard time going to sleep. And I also want to talk about kids coming to your bed with you. So I want to start, which one, which one makes most sense to you to start with? Like, I feel like. We start with a dropping nap. Yeah, let's do that. I feel like the, the dropping of the nap is, um, you know, one that's, I suppose, the easiest one to answer in terms of um, the general age it happens. So most toddlers will drop it around two years old. Um, but there's a lot of kind of misunderstanding around that. So some um, hear all the time, you know, you need to keep that nap until they're at least three. And that means you're going to have really good relationship with sleep. Um, but actually, the most important thing about dropping that final nap is doing it when then that particular child is ready. And so there's a huge range in sleep needs. And it's quite possible. I work with a lot of families who have little ones who have low sleep needs. So they need less sleep than most their age. Mm. And so it could be that you've got a toddler who actually just refused um, naps from 18 months. And that is also normal. Um, and some don't they know I need them to with, sleep? Like, don't they know I need <laughs> my time? Like, how rude. <laughs> yeah, I get that, right? And so sometimes I work with families and I'll, you know, talk, talk to them about their, their little one, their temperament, their sensitivities. And I'll say to them, look, I know you're not going to want to hear this. But I think it's time that your toddler drops a nap, you know, and yeah, that can be really, really hard. But if you've got a toddler who's waking up six, seven times or who's awake in the middle of the night for three hours wide awake, most people are going to go, do you know what? I'll take the hit on the nap and I will get a full night's sleep. Um, and when it comes to dropping that nap, there are, there's the other end of the extreme. So my daughter's incredibly high sleep needs. She was taking a nap until she started school. And that's also very normal. And without that nap, she would have been like rolling around on the floor all day long. You know, she mm -hmm. needed it. And that also meant she slept well at night. And so when it comes to dropping that nap, there are different signals that you may see. Um, 
So the easiest one is they kind of just start to go, I don't want to go to sleep anymore in the daytime. And they they lead that themselves. Great. And they handle it, right? The other one is that they start kind of going, I'm not ready to go to bedtime. You know, so bedtime comes, I used to fall asleep. Now I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really not tired. And so you can either at that point go, do you know what? It's, it's normally go to bed at seven. I'm, I'm going to keep that nap and we're going to push bedtime back. You know, maybe it's going to be eight o'clock. That still works for everybody. Or they do the much harder thing, which is what we call the split nights. So they wake up middle of the night and they want to, they're wide awake. They want to party. They want to play. Um, and it takes a good kind of hour to maybe three hours until they're tired enough to go to sleep. So when you see those kind of things, it's well worth um, just going, do you know what? I'm going to just start by capping their nap. So they maybe take an hour, hour and a half nap. I'm going to reduce that a little bit. I'm going to do that for a few weeks. and I'm going to see if things start to get better overnight. Okay. So you just described my daughter. (laughs) My husband kept saying to me, I think she's trying to drop a nap. I'm like, no, she's not. She needs to nap. She's not even three. She needs to nap. She's grumpy. Like I was just fighting it. She's like, he's like, no, I think, I think she's trying to drop a nap. (laughs) So I I, I put my foot down. I said, no, (laughs) but this is what I'm noticing with her. She's all the things you said. She doesn't want to go to bed at night and it takes her a long time to fall asleep on the days that she takes a nap. And on the days that she takes a nap, she's been waking up in the middle of the night, just wants to play she's hungry she's like want whatever and then what's the other thing i noticed she fights nap time like she absolutely does not want anything to do with naps however there are days where like she need like i feel like she really needs the nap so you're saying to cap the nap like reduce it how what if she's like if, fighting if you're beyond to- that yeah let's let, let's say you've got to the point already where you're a bit like some days there's no nap and she's fine with that and other days there's a nap what the first thing there to do is just say she's had a day with no nap but then the next day she's shattered and you're like clearly need to have a nap instead of doing your usual amount of nap keep it short because what you don't want is the the body's internal um circadian rhythm that body clock to have a huge difference you don't want to go all right yesterday I had um no nap and today I'm going to have an hour and a half because that's too big a jump it's fine to kind of go right yesterday I didn't have a nap today I'm going to have maybe a 30 minute nap that's not too dissimilar um or what you might have my son did this for about a year school run you know three four o'clock um he would have a he would have a nap but I would make sure that nap because in the pram five minutes and he would be grumpy as you like, but I would get my daughter, go and wake him up. She'd tickle him five minutes, and then it's not too dissimilar. So often you have like a process where you are getting rid of that nap. And some are just like, bam, done. Nice and easy, right? And yeah. others are a bit like, oh, I'm fine for a few days, and then I'm going to crash out. But the yeah. biggest thing to avoid there is not to go, oh, you look really tired. I feel really sorry for you. I really want a break. So let's have a nap for two hours. Because um, then what you then find is that there'll be a huge knock-on effect at some point and you want to try and keep it fairly kind of consistent in terms of that body clock. That's interesting because that's literally what happened to us last night. That's what, that was yesterday. She <laughs> she hadn't had a nap for three days and she finally took one yesterday and then last night she was up all night. So I, I guess, I, I don't know if you hear this from parents a lot. It feels super weird as a parent and uncomfortable to just like let it go and like 
go with your child's flow. Like you, I, I don't know if you hear this from parents, but it, I feel like I just need to have this control over their sleep because they need it and I need it. And, you know, do you hear that a lot from parents? Like the difficulty yeah. of letting go? And I, I think especially more earlier on babies, what I find very, very difficult is when parents say to me, you know, when they've got a really young baby and they want to be in that that, that routine. And, yeah. you can, you know, some babies will do it because that's their temperament, but a lot of them, they don't get into that till a good six, eight months, right? Yeah. And to say that to a parent who's in like, you know, week four of no sleep, it's very, very hard to say, look, do you know what? hang on another few five mm-hmm. months, you know, it will, it will, you'll get into a more consistent pattern. But I think um, the thing about easier times and easier sleep is letting your child lead in terms of what they need. Mm. And so, yeah, you, you know, have that control in terms of what I find easiest is try and get to grips with what's the amount of sleep your child needs. So mm-hmm. as they get older, this gets easier and easier because you can kind of go toddlerhood. It's between 10 to 13 hours so you kind of go right we're in a really good phase of sleep I I realized that you know my little one needs about 12 hours done like Um, in 24 hour period right in 24 hour so it could be 12 hours overnight it could be you know 10 at night two in the two in the day let's say it's 12 overnight right they're sleeping fine they drop their nap but then you're away you go on holiday and you're a bit like oh they're hardly you know they're not coping very well because they're only getting about 10 hours overnight you start putting a nap in just for while you're away because you kind of go like, I know that they actually need around 12 hours. Mm. And that gives you that bit of control where you can kind of go, look, I'm being flexible because we're kind of out of routine. But I know that you know, like my son doesn't need a lot of sleep. When we're away and he has later nights, I can totally go with the flow and I can relax. Yeah, My daughter's six and I still don't really relax around her sleep because she it really, really affects her. And I think that's often has a bigger play in terms of, you know, you've got your own personality to deal with, whether you can cope with being kind of, you know, off routine, but you've also their temperament and how they cope with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking about my kids temperament as you're talking about this and they're so different. My son is very like routine and uh, follows everything like bedtime's the same, wakes up the same. Like, it, he, you know, his sleep is so much easier. But then sh- my daughter's like, she's just like a free bird. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Does whatever she wants. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. So. I did hear you say in the beginning, it's common for kids to want to drop their nap by two. Wow. Yeah, is that I, actually, is that like, did it, I thought it was three. <laughs> I'm over here. Well, I mean, one my of the things is you, you hear so much kind of one misinformation, but also I think what a lot of people don't realize is the, is the variation, right? You know, most people kind of just think whether you've got three in your head or two years old, but actually, you know, if you actually think about it, it's from 18 months, probably right the way up to four years old. And it's going to happen anywhere in between then. Yeah. And one way to think about it is I think people used to think, or some people still think, it's really important to keep hold of that nap because some sleep trainers like to give the message, if you keep that nap, then they're going to be better sleepers for life. And that's really important. It's just not about that. Um, they'll keep that nap and it's important to keep it if it means that actually it stops them from getting overtired, stops them getting overly emotional and they still sleep well at night. Great. Mm-hmm. And it's about those kind of energy levels, you know, um, and some little ones who you kind of go, right, do you know what? They're always on the go. They're always moving around and you drop that nap and they're fine. And you kind of go, do you know what? Life is easier now because even though I miss that hour of rest, what I don't have now is an hour's battle to get you to sleep or an hour in the in the night when you're wide awake. True, that's true. And 
I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious what you'll say. So once you drop your nap with your kid, should you adjust their bedtime? Because my daughter can, like, she's just a grump. She's got to go to bed way earlier if she misses a nap. Yeah. So again, it depends on them. So if you've got a kind of highly sensitive one or or one who is kind of sensitive around sleep or needs a lot of sleep, usually when you drop the nap, you bring bedtime a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, But you have to be quite careful with it because some, if you do that, then what they do is they kind of go to sleep really early, but then they wake up at five or they still do the thing where they wake up in the middle of the night. Mm. So sometimes it's about going, look, I can see you are shattered at like five, six, you're not going to make it to bedtime. So I might as well do a five minute nap because then you can go to bed a bit later and then you're going to wake up later. Oh, okay. So you're, you're saying give them that like few minute nap versus making them go to bed for the night way early. It's yeah. I mean, again, it depends on them, right? So if you can do the five minute nap and it's easy to do, and then they, they can go to bed a bit later great but if what you find is actually do you know what that they struggle with that um and they they once they're out waking them up it's like because it's hard waking them up at that time because they're going to deeper sleep mm-hmm. and so if you make if they make it to let's say half past six um and it's definitely worth trying see how they do right because if they make it then all the way at six great job's done and you can slowly kind of get that later if you need to um but if you're a bit like actually do you know what it's five o'clock when they're getting absolutely shattered i can't go to bed at five then i would try the kind of five minute nap tool okay okay that's good to know okay so you did say a child being not tired enough is a reason that they might be fighting bedtime right Are there any other reason a child might be fighting bedtime or this kind of goes hand in hand with another one of my questions is my child is either fighting bedtime, like is constantly has an excuse like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I don't want to go to bed. Or they're saying, I'm scared. There's a monster there. You know, I'm too scared. I don't want to be alone. Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things to think about. I suppose the most simplistic scenario is when you've got a child who's really putting up bedtime and they're doing all those kind of, you know, procrastinations. I need a drink. I need to get up. And, and actually what you find is no matter what time you start the bedtime process, they always fall asleep at, let's say, half eight. And so then that's a pretty easy one to go. Do you know what? They just weren't tired enough. And so things you can do there are kind of ramp up the energy before bedtime. So everybody thinks bedtime should be really calm. A lot of little ones actually just like, I've got loads of energy. I need to like have a big dance or have a really playful bath. And actually then you notice going to bed, it's much easier. The other scenario is that little ones don't want to say goodbye to you. You know, sleep is a separation process. And so they're going to put that off. And some who are kind of they can really override the feeling tired because they don't want you to leave. And so some parents who are very kind of regimented about you will fall asleep by yourself, their tactic to hold on to you is I'm frightened. I need a drink. And they'll keep on doing that because they want to know that they're safe and you're going to stay with them. Mm. Easy tool with that one is just to go, I'm going to stay with you until you're asleep. Right. And you notice that process gets quicker. If you notice they're still saying things like I'm scared, and the likelihood is they probably are scared. And and for me, that's always about kind of addressing, you know, reassuring them. So we all feel scared at some at some times, you know, um, and then kind of delving into it a bit deeper. What is it they're frightened of? Is it that they only ever go into their bedroom when it's dark and, and when they're about to go to sleep? You know, then spend some time in there together, playing, reading. Um, is there something they've seen or they've watched that's pl- like playing in their mind? Um, 
my daughter once read a story and there was a wolf, you know, and she got obsessed about wolves and she was often frightened about that. And I think there's quite a thin line you want to talk about a little bit, but you don't want to go into it in a lot of detail at bedtime because then they kind of really ramp that up. And so we used to spend a bit of time in the daytime talking about it, drawing about it. We made it into a character she wasn't kind of scared of anymore. Sometimes she'd draw a picture for it, you know, all those kind of things. Sometimes people like to do like monster spray. Sometimes that can make it worse. So if they're genuinely frightened, it's about kind of going, what are they frightened of? What can I do that's going to kind of suit their personality? Is it a case of us talking about it? Is it a case of us kind of giving them some tools? So when you're frightened, what do you do? You know, do you want them to call you? Do you want them to get in with you? Um, do they have a teddy that they can kind of cuddle and get themselves really cozy? Um, can they kind of do some visualizations? It's kind of really just going first knowing what the problem is. So is it about tiredness, energy, separation? Is it that they're genuinely scared? And then focus on that particular issue. Okay. I love that. So there's there are a few reasons they might be doing that. And then one thing that stuck out to me, you said if they're if it's the separation reassure them and say i'll be here with you until you fall asleep okay so this is where we created a problem i think in my family and i think a lot of parents fall into this category at least the ones that i've talked to we've now been fall letting our kids fall asleep with us laying next to them and then we sneak out um it not it didn't used to be that way with our son until we had our daughter he would fall asleep on his own. We would be able to leave the room. And then once he had a sister, it all flipped. But so now we are waiting until they fall asleep and then we sneak out, which then later they wake up and then come to our bed. So what what do we do about that? Yeah. Do, we, do we always sneak out? So, so first thing I'd say is there's nothing wrong with that if it's not a problem for you. So no problem staying with them until they fall asleep. They get in your bed the night. Totally normal. Nothing wrong with that. If you don't want that to happen anymore, so I sit with mine every night. They're in the same bedroom. I sit with them until they're asleep. They normally sleep five, 10 minutes. They know that I leave. So what I don't do is they know I'm going to stay with them until they're asleep. But they also know that once they're asleep, I'm gone. And so it's not that they're kind of expecting me to be there. So sometimes it's about the expectations. If you're then deciding what you don't want them to do is to come into your bed, then and this is the really hard bit and you kind of have to commit to it if it's a, if it's a problem that you talk to them you role play when they wake up in the night what is it you want them to do so if it's that it's earlier on in the night where they can just call you you're going to come you're going to say to them let you wake up I want you to call me I'm going to come to you, you stay in your room um, and then as soon as they do oh thank you for calling me well done let's get you nice and tucked in you know um, and you you're going to wait until they fall asleep and you're going to repeat that process. And sometimes it's like the newborn stage. It's an absolute killer, but that's about being consistent. What's very, very difficult is when they come in and you don't even notice because they're coming in, you know, it's like three, four in the morning, you're half asleep anyway. And then I always say to parents, how much of an issue is it to you? You know, and that's what you have to decide. Well, it doesn't affect my sleep. It's not a problem. Or I can't get back to sleep. And then in which case you pick them up. You take them back to their room and you're, you've got to stay until they're fast asleep. Um, yes, you can you can do things if it's really important as well. You know, what you're saying is that it's because they can't get to sleep without you. Rarely that's an issue, but you can do things like um, making sure they've got some sort of teddy or comforter um, and doing a lot of role play around that. So lots of people who use kind of teddies or um 
you know, some kind of comforter with a teddy head and a cloth, they assume it's just asleep. And most of them are like, I'm not bothered by that. But it's about the play and the association. And so getting, you know, Teddy to, oh, it's breakfast time, Teddy's hungry, let's feed Teddy, let's take Teddy to the playground. Or it's bedtime, let's bring Teddy with me. Um, teaching them things like we do. So you wake up, you might turn your pillow over, you might have a drink of water. So giving them that, you know, have you got water, right? So when you wake up in the night, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have a sip of your water. I want you to get into your comfy position. I want you to make your teddies with you. Um, if you still can't sleep, then you're going to call me. So you're kind of giving them tools because sometimes they're a bit like, yeah, I'm awake. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to call for you or I'm just going to get out because that's what I do. And once they start to learn these processes, um, they can then get themselves back to sleep. But what you have to decide is that I'm going to commit and I'm going to take you back. And it's really hard. It's also hard for them. And so it's then how long does it take? Some couple of days sorted. Others, it could take a few weeks. And so some people will then put a mattress in their bedroom, you know, and it's it takes longer or it might be they got it. Now they've got a cold. Now they're coming in with me again. Mm. That's normal. And it's just kind of them going back to the process. But the other thing to think about is making sure that their sleep pressure and the amount of sleep they're getting is really close to what they need. Because if they're going to sleep earlier than they need to, or they're getting too much sleep in the daytime, they're much more likely to one, wake up, but two, struggle to get back to sleep. So sometimes people get actually really lucky and just go, do you know what? I pushed bedtime an hour later, didn't even wake up and then job's done. So what if you're someone who wants to not, who doesn't want to lay with your kid until they fall asleep? Do you have any tips for parents who want to try to teach their kid to fall asleep on their own? Yeah. So I think, you know, one, making sure they're really happy in their bedroom. So lots of role play in there, doing things together. The next one is talking to them about that process. So talking to them about the fact when it comes to bedtime, this is what we're going to do. So I'm going to read your story. I'm going to give you a big cuddle and then I'm going to pop out. Um, and now for some little ones, it's really reassuring to know that you're just next door and that you might, they might, you might make some noises, you know, putting some clothes in some drawers. Uh, you might sing a song um, and you might then just pop in and check on them before they've gone to sleep and so you might give them a kiss say well done you're doing really well pop back out that kind of reassuring process um but others it might be a bit more like you know I'm I'm, I'm not going to come back for a while I'm going to come back and check on you but you're not going to do the pop-in while they're awake and then they're probably going to call for you right or cry at this point what's really important is that you're back in their room really really quickly are you okay I'm here. If you need me, I'm always going to be here. And so what they can then test out is their biggest fear, right? They're left alone. You're not there. Once they know, actually, I call you, you're going to come. That reassures a lot of little ones. And then they're quite happy. And then you can talk to them about, you know, once you fall asleep, you're probably going to hear me switch the kettle on. You're probably going to hear the radio on. You're going to know that I'm just there. And if you have any trouble, you're going to call me. Now, again, if that bedtime is too early, that's going to process is going to go on for a long time. And they're also going to be able to kind of get out of bed for a really long time. And it's going to be hard for them. Whereas if they are really, really tired, that process should be kind of 10, 15 minutes. What if you're my daughter, her like Teddy and lovey is my face. She literally holds my face like this to fall asleep. And I think it, it, it used to be cute and it's still cute sometimes, but I'm like, can you just get a blanket? Yeah, <laughs> that's really hard. So that's when you, you want something, you, you know, you get the kind of Teddy, the lovey, the comforter. And as so you basically layer on another association. But what the first process is, she's into your cheek, right? So every time she holds your cheek, 
she needs to also hold something else. So that the first stage of the process is now I associate my teddy with holding, you know, your lovely cheek, uh-huh. right? And hopefully it also smells of you. And so then you start building up that process. And if she's still sometimes taking a nap, it's like nap time, right? Let's get that teddy, hold on to them. A lot of praise, a lot of role play around that. And then it's like the slowly, right, hold on to teddy, I'm here. And then it might be you move from her holding your cheek to her holding your hand. You know, so it's a slow process, but the idea is she's got something else because the hardest thing is when you take a tool away from a child and give them nothing, right? Or when you expect them to go, okay, I don't want you to have my face anymore, but here, take this, you know, Teddy, that they've got enough, no interest in, no kind of um, sensory associations with. So it's that kind of building process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I, I was just going to cold turkey with her. Uh, I'm curious from your experience with working with parents, is there a common age or like an average age that you notice that all of this sleep stuff just kind of levels out and kids start sleeping better? They don't need their parents as much. You know what? It's really hard for me to. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard for me to answer because I obviously get all the parents come, those coming to me with the difficulties. So nobody comes to me going, hey. Yeah, my kids sleeping really well, right? Yeah. Um. So it's really hard, and I would say, you know, that there are some people who just get babies right and they sleep really, really well, and then they get toddlerhood in it, and they suddenly have all these sleep issues, and they're like, "What?" But but you slept all the time really easily, and now and now what do I do? I don't I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, there were other people who kind of have sleep troubles the whole way through, you know, and just what suddenly one day that's it, they've got it. And there are people who have long periods when it's easy, then really tough periods. For me, you know, mine are old enough to sleep easily, but they still have, when they're poorly, they'll still get in with me. And I like that. And I like to yeah. know that actually, you know, that that works for us. And I know that I don't have to be sit sitting by their bed freezing cold because I'm worried about them getting in with me. I kind of go, right, if you've got a cold, you've had a nightmare, come in with me. And then I yeah. know as soon as you're well again, you know, it may take me again going, when you wake up tonight, you're going to call me, you're not going to get up. Yeah. Um, but I find that reassuring. And I think like all parenting hurdles, there will be, even when they're teenagers, right, they're going to then have struggles with sleep. And so it's about just kind of going, when it happens, it's normal. And then what can I do about it? And sometimes there'll be things you can do. And sometimes it's just a case of going, this is a pretty rubbish Mm -hmm. phase, and I've just got to get through it. Mm -hmm. I love that you're giving parents the permission to just be laid back about it. Because as parents from very early on with your new babies, we're taught that sleep is crucial and important and we need to nip it in the butt and you're giving parents permission like it's okay let them get in your bed it's okay there's you know lay with them until they're asleep and I love that that you have that option for parents because that's not the common thing you hear from people who practice sleep training I think also it's normal, right? It's the biggest thing that people just don't, people don't talk about and they don't kind of say, actually, it's really normal for a two-year-old to wake up and need you or a four-year-old to wake up and kind of go, actually, I want to lie next to you. That's normal. That's okay. It's also okay for you to go, I don't want to do that, right? I don't want to bed share. These are all Mm -hmm. things where you kind of just go, is this working for us? You know, is this the right thing to do for us? Um, I spoke to, so I had a mum today, a discovery call to see if she wanted to work with me. She had a three-month-old. And I said, you know, she was very worried about routine. I said, you know what, at this age, nothing you can do unless you're kind of having bright lights and loud music on at 10 o'clock when they want to go to bed. You can't ruin sleep. You can't make it bad when they are tired. 
they will sleep, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think it's just it's easy to say, but as much as possible, drowning out that noise, you know, like follow people on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever it is that, that suits you and helps you. And anytime you will hear it, anytime you hear advice that goes, that doesn't sit right with me, it's about as much as possible, not letting that consume you and just going, actually, this is my journey as a parent and trying, not going to enjoy every moment, but just to go, actually, um, this is fine for us. This really works for us. Mm. Or it doesn't. And these are the things that we can try. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah, for all this sleep information. I feel better. Like, I feel like I I should go apologize to my husband because he was right about the <laughs> nap. Uh, well, I feel reassured because, you know, it always helps to hear it from a professional versus your husband. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> uh, Sarah, where can we find you on socials or how can people get a hold of you? So mainly I'm on Instagram. So at teach to sleep, come over, say hi. I do a free Q and a every week. Um, or my website, you can book a kind of free discovery call. I've got online courses um, lots and lots of free resources on my Instagram. So that's a good place to go. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah, so much. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, follow on socials, subscribe to the podcast and come back next week.